Welcome to Enjoy the Book of Life. Today on Nick's Picks, we are going to cover prophetic overviews. So in the Bible, we've got certain chapters that give us a good snapshot of the history of Israel. So what are these prophetic overviews and why are they important for us to know? Right. Um, Israel is God's bellwether. Now, weather is spelt W-E-T-H-E-R. Weather is a castrated ram. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the shepherds would take uh, a lead ram and uh, put a bell around its neck. And uh, they could tell where the flock was heading by hearing the sound of the bell. And so the nation of Israel is God's bellwether. The God's view of history is uh, based on the nation of Israel. Hmm. Now, when we be begin reading the scripture, uh, we have this picture of the world as the center of the universe. And people laugh at this, but God says, I put the earth there, and I put my creatures on it, and then I put the sun, moon, and stars out there to service planet Earth. That's what they're there for. Hmm. And uh, so whether it's geographically the center, nobody knows because we've never reached the edge of the universe. But the same is true. God says, I, I have set Israel in the midst of the nations. Hmm. And um, so to some degree, geographically, it's at the center, certainly at the pivot point of the three ancient continents. But historically, it's at the center of God's purposes, so that all of God's plans uh, relate to the nation of Israel. And so when we read the scripture, uh, we recognize we can't understand history unless we understand the history of the Jewish nation. Mm -hmm. So um, God uh, took Israel out of the nations, uh, out of, he took a, uh, a Syrian, the scripture says, um, out of uh, Ur of the Chaldees. And he, his, he built a nation as a divine protest against this notion that the universe is run by impersonal forces, right? So people worshipped the god of the sea and the goddess of fertility and the sun god and so on. And God said, no, there's a real person behind the universe. Mm. And I'm going to have a relationship with the nation and uh, hopefully through that nation, the news will spread and others will worship me as well. And of course, uh, this has happened, right? Even though Israel as a nation in many ways failed, yet uh, all of the uh, early um, apostles, all of the early evangelists, uh, the, the scripture itself all came from the Jewish nation. And the Messiah himself is from the Jewish nation, the the Holy Spirit who's gone out into the world. Mm -hmm was given to the nation of Israel, promised to them in Joel 2 and fulfilled uh, in Acts 2. So um, God is right on schedule. Now, the, the church is something different. The church was a mystery in the Old Testament. There was no uh, hint that God was going to do something distinct. And so when the church is taken out of the world, that's also a mystery to us. And don't look for... Uh, evidence in the Old Testament of the church and when the church will leave because uh, God withheld that information. But when it comes to the nation of Israel, 
um, the, the Lord Jesus always provided evidence, information, uh, whether he was speaking to uh, Abraham or Moses or Daniel or um, himself on the Sermon on the Mount or later on his uh, Sermon from Olivet. Uh, he always kept them in the know. And they know what's going to happen before it occurs. And that's a remarkable thing. So this gives a dimension to the Bible that not only shows its supernatural nature, but gives us, uh, as it were, a kind of checklist um, to show that the prophecies that are still to come, there are many people who have allegorized the prophecies and made them out to be sort of uh, a code for something else. But... Uh, historically, all of the prophecies have been fulfilled literally. Mm-hmm. So why should the ones in the future also not follow the same pattern? Right, right. Yeah, it's a good point. So what are you? You mentioned some characters there. Are those where we'll find our overviews? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, in in Genesis chapter fifteen, uh, verses thirteen to sixteen, you know that earlier on. Uh, the Lord takes Abraham for a walk, shows him the stars, and says, you see, not how bright they are, but how many there are. Mm. That's what your family is going to be like. And um, and we read that Abraham believed. And uh, it was at that point that God accounted that to him for righteousness. So this is looked upon as the moment of, of Abraham's salvation. And we have that discussed, of course, in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, how a person gets saved by... Uh, transferring their trust from their own thoughts and their own, even their own life experience to believe what God says. So when God says, I have made you the father of many nations, at that point he didn't even have one boy, but he believed God. And so there um, the Lord tells him, um, uh, verse 13, uh, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Hmm. And um, verse 16, in the fourth generation, they'll return here, uh, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So there are a whole series of clues in this section. Uh, First of all, that Abraham's family will become a nation, but they will become a nation in a foreign land. Hmm. They'll go in a family, and they'll become a nation there. And that's, of course, exactly what happened with uh, Jacob's family going down into Egypt and then becoming a nation there, and then how they become slaves to them, and, and that they would serve them 400 years, and then that they would be delivered, and they would come out into the land of Canaan again, and uh, it would be in the fourth generation. And then the fact that um, the Lord adds this idea, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God is saying there's going to be a lengthy time element here um, because the uh, exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt, including their 40 years wandering, is part of God's calculation in judging the Canaanite nations. Mm. Uh, the, the exodus out of Egypt coincided with God's judgment on Canaan. In a similar way, later on, uh, God's judgment on Israel coincided with the rise of the Assyrians. And his judgment on Judah coincided with the rise of the Babylonian Empire. So God uses one nation to afflict another. 
and uh, he doesn't have uh, favorite people that get away with things. Uh, when Israel became so idolatrous, um, he judged them and scattered them just as he judged uh, Egypt. So uh, Genesis 15 is one of the great passages. Now, people have discussed this matter. He, here God says 400 years, and when you get over to Galatians chapter 3, there uh, you're told that it was 430 years. Mm. But um, um, there's a 30-year gap between what God is telling Abraham here and the beginning of this period of time. Now, you can't make the 400 years work unless you take it from the time that Ishmael begins to persecute Isaac. And so it's 400 years from that point until the Exodus in the days of Moses. 400 years, and that's the, that's the four generations. Okay. So it is 430 years if you include the years from Abraham not having any children until he has both Ishmael and Isaac, and Ishmael is um, scorning and uh, persecuting Isaac. And that's the beginning of this oppression that mm. God sees of his people until he brings them back in the days of Moses. Yeah, yeah. So that our first big one, Genesis 15, God takes Abraham from having children to the point of the Exodus and, and bringing the people out of Egypt and, and, and into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan. Right. And in fact, the, the establishment of the nation in Canaan and the judgment on the Canaanites. Okay. That's all included in that prophecy. Okay. Right. Good. And so where do we go from there? What's number right. two? So uh, this is Moses. Moses is, has revealed to him uh, then uh, the, the establishment, the rise of the kingdom, um, the establishment of the nation of Israel and their um, intransigence. They're going back into idolatry and they're being scattered among the nations. And you read about this in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, and so we read uh, verse 27 for example the Lord will scatter you among the peoples you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you there you will serve gods the work of men's hands wooden stone which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell but from there you will seek the Lord your God uh, you will find him if you seek him with your heart and with all your soul when you're in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, um, then the Lord will, will bring you back. So, um, so that's, the, that's the promise. So um, Moses is then given from Abraham's uh, understanding of the children in the land to them being... Um, established as a nation and then falling into idolatry and then being scattered among the Gentiles mm. and then this little ray of hope that God was going to bring them back. Right, right. And I like how, I mean, Abraham, the, the message given there in Genesis 15, brings them all the way up to Moses. Right. So it's never as if the children of Israel, from what they've, they've been given through Revelation, 
there's no gap of missing no. history. No. Because Moses actually comes before the end of what Abraham was given. Right. And so we have that nice overlap, and that takes us all the way through all the history books. Yeah. Um, up to right. the Pic captivity. Uh, yeah, picture a relay race. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then when they come, the handing on the, of the baton, there's a, a period of time when they're running together. And so, yeah, mm. God makes sure that there's no there's no gap in no their gap. knowledge. You don't have to throw the baton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so yeah. so we've got all the way up to the captivity, and then even that glimmer of hope of the return. So where do we find our third one? Well, Daniel, Daniel. Now uh, he's taken into captivity. He's one of those who actually experiences what Moses saw in prophecy. Mm. And uh, he's one of the young men taken off into Babylon. And uh, he takes with him, obviously, a copy of the scroll of Jeremiah. Um, God had told Jeremiah, nobody, during your lifetime, nobody's going to listen to you. Mm. Which is a fairly <laughs> depressing way to start a ministry. <laughs> um, but after all this time, he ends up, <clears throat> uh, 70 years later, he's reading this, the book of Jeremiah. And he mm. sees there mm. that uh, it's time for his people to return. Now, in chapter 7, of course, you know, the, earlier on we have this um, dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar has, um, and the, the image begins with a gold head and ends up with clay and iron feet. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, however, when he learns that he's the head of gold, he doesn't want his kingdom ever to end. Right. And so he builds an image out on the plain that's gold from head to foot, right? But that doesn't change the fact that yeah. history moves on. And so what uh, Daniel experiences is the transition of world power, first of all, from Israel. Israel was the center of God's purposes. And then uh, when um, under their uh, idolatrous behavior, um, the, the monarchy collapsed, and you have this transition of world power from Jerusalem um, moving over to Mesopotamia. Well, Daniel, amazingly, is able to make the transition from the Babylonian to the Medo-Persian Empire. But he not only sees that, but God prophesies to him the transition from the Medo-Persian Empire over to the um, Greek Empire and then from the Greek Empire to the Roman Empire. And then you have the splitting of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is pictured by the thighs and then the legs, the, the splitting of the Roman Empire into East and West. And then you have this uh, gap. And the gap is there not because God isn't informing Israel. This is the church age. You know, during what are called the times of the Gentiles, when Jerusalem is trodden underfoot of the Gentiles, um, you have this period of time. And then at the end of time, you have the feet showing up again, uh, which are connected to the legs. And mm -hmm. this is the restored Roman Empire, also linked with Babylon. The last image is like the worst of all the four great world empires, um, like a Dr. Frankenstein animal. Yeah where all the parts are together, the, the most hideous of all of the uh, aspects of these kingdoms. And, uh, and so 
uh, Daniel sees this, but then he sees, and this is uh, all in Daniel chapter 7, he sees uh, the final transition of power. And this is, of course, so crucial for us today, because we are towards the, the end of the age, and we're, we're just almost at the point where we're going to see, uh, we, we probably will be out of here before it happens, but we certainly see hints of the rebuilding of the restored Roman Empire, this, uh, these internationalists who are desiring a one-world government, and they want to link together all of the world empires of the past so that they become one massive world empire. Um, but then we read um, um, at the very end of chapter 7, Then the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion shall serve and obey him. And so at the very end, we see the final transition when the kingdoms of the Gentiles become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And here we see the saints will reign with Christ uh, forever and ever. Mm. So um, Daniel has the privilege of seeing how these uh, world empires will will uh, move, but he leaves a, a big gap there um, dealing with uh, how there will be a transition to this age, to this final stage. And that's where we have the final piece to the puzzle in Matthew 24. Okay. So in Matthew 24, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus now uh, is sitting with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and they're very impressed with the temple that Herod is beautifying. The Jews call it the, sec the second temple. And they say it wasn't actually Herod's. It was actually the temple that was built um, in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah. But Herod beautified it, he enlarged it, and uh, actually made the exterior walls a hundred feet high with a solid gold crown around the top. It was supposed to be the most beautiful uh, building in the world. Mm. When uh, the uh, 10th Roman Legion came to Mount Scopus. They looked across, they saw the city. Um, uh, the, the Caesar's son, was the, the commanding general, said, do not destroy that building. Spare the temple. But um, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus sitting on the temple, the Son of the Carpenter, um, he says, not one stone will be left on another. Mm. So who had it right? Well, when they set the city on fire, the gold, um, this golden crown on the building, melted and ran down in between all the stones. And so they eventually came back and tore every stone from every other stone to get the gold. And wow. so fulfilled the words of the Lord Jesus. So as they're looking at this, the Lord Jesus explains to them, you're so impressed with this building project, but I want to tell you that it's, it's doomed. Yeah. And so this stirs their thinking, and they say, well, we want to know what's going to happen at the end. And so they, they specifically ask, um, this is Matthew 24, 3, tell us when will these things be, and what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? Well, the Lord Jesus begins with a warning and says, there are going to be lots of false uh, messiahs, lots of people coming along and, and raising false warnings. Hmm. 
Uh, I remember 88 reasons in 1988 why the Lord should come back. Yeah. Um, when, of course, there was one reason why he shouldn't come back, and that is because that man would be unbearable in heaven. Uh, I told you so, right? And so and the scripture <laughs> says it's not going to happen like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we have to make this clear distinction uh, between um, the Lord Jesus as the uh, morning star that rises in our hearts. The morning star is only seen by those looking for it, whereas the sun of righteousness, uh, everybody sees that. And so we have these, this secret return of Christ when he takes his bride away, he comes to the air, not to the earth, and he takes his bride away. And then this time called the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period, and then uh, the Lord comes to earth to establish his kingdom. And it's this that the Lord is speaking about in Matthew 24. Now, <clears throat> it's important when we see these men that are sitting uh, listening to Jesus, we have to ask ourselves the question, who are these men? Sometimes the answer is, these men are the embryonic church. They, they are going to be the apostles of the church that would be born at Pentecost, and the Lord is preparing them for that. And so in the upper room ministry, uh, this is clearly teaching relative to the church. There are other times, however, when they are representative of the nation of Israel. They are going to sit on 12 thrones over the 12 tribes of Israel, mm. and they are all Jews, and so sometimes when the Lord speaks to them, he speaks to them as representative Israel. That's the case in Matthew 24. And we know that because uh, the Lord speaks about that and says in verse um, uh, 20, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Now, I'll travel any distance on the Sabbath, but Orthodox Jews will only travel the Sabbath day's journey. And so the Lord is saying, when you're fleeing the city of Jerusalem, uh, watch out. So um, this is clearly describing a group of Jewish people who are trapped in the city of Jerusalem, who are looking for the Messiah, and their case seems hopeless, until unknown to them, he lands on the Mount of Olives and splits the eastern wall of the city, which opens into the Jewish quarter, and the Jews are able to escape uh, right out through this new um, God-made corridor down into the land of Jordan. They cross over and they hide out in, everyone's heard about the Rose Rock city of Petra, but next to it, about 30 miles away, is the city of Basra, which is another one of these cities carved out of the rocks by the Nabataeans, later um, controlled by the Romans, and and they're going to hide out there, and this is where the Lord Jesus will reveal himself to them, not at the Mount of Olives. He will come to them there. Who is this that comes from Basra, uh, from Edom, his garments dipped in blood? This is where the blood will be to the horses' bridles in these narrow passageways mm. that lead down into uh, the city of Basra, and there the Lord will deliver his people and he'll bring them up out of that land and uh, bring them back, push the forces of Antichrist up to the Valley of Armageddon, the Jezreel Valley, and that's where the last big battle is fought. Then he returns to Jerusalem, the sheep and goats judgment, and then establishes, moves in, establishes his kingdom 
for a thousand years. And that's what the Lord Jesus is describing in Matthew 24. So uh, when we read, for example, I, uh, I, I was a teenager when we had this song. I think it was Larry Norman wrote this song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Yeah. And uh, he used these words as if they were describing the rapture, where it says uh, two will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left and two grinding and so on, one yeah. to, oh, two in bed, one taken, the other left. Um, but but it, it specifically links it as it was in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, the flood came and took them all away. It didn't take them away in rapture. Yeah. It took them away to judgment. Mm. And so if we're going to keep our our prophetic typology correct, we realize that um, Enoch was raptured before the flood. Yeah. And then the flood came and Noah and his family were protected through the flood. So we have two groups of people here. We have the elect who are specifically the children of Israel who have been preserved um, through the tribulation period, through what's specifically called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is the code word for Israel when they're away from God. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they're brought back to God. And just as in the story where the children of Israel will be brought back by discovering the, the face of God, seeing the face of God, right? Yeah. So Jacob yeah. uh, says at the crossing of the, of the Jabbok, I've seen the face of God. Mm. Yeah. So again, we have that overlap, like we saw in Daniel, that Daniel didn't um, come back, return to Israel, like we see that glimmer of hope for Moses. Right. right. Um, but so we have that relay overlap. And then even with that gap of time in Daniel, we see that it's speaking of those future events. Yeah. And of course, the Lord Jesus, he, he reveals that to us. Right. I, I think right. this... Oh, sorry, right. go ahead. No, uh, just that, yeah, all four of them uh, have, have hints of the, of the Lord Jesus coming in glory. Mm. So Abraham, Moses, Daniel... And, of course, the Lord Jesus all point forward to that. Mm. So while they give a section of history, they also all flash forward to the climax yeah. of history and the coming of, mm. of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. And just what you went through at the end there uh, with what the, the Lord presents, being able to see that as, as a part in a greater puzzle, um, it allows for that clarity, and like you say, being consistent with it is very helpful. Right. So you have these the key phrases there in Matthew 24, uh, these things and those days, these things and those days. And he gives a series of clues as to what will be happening, but the clues are all gradients, like increase of travel, increase of uh, wars and rumors of wars, increase of earthquakes and so on. So none of those actually give a time marker. What mm. gives the time marker is the blossoming of the fig tree, which is not 1948. It's the restoration of Israel's religious history. We thought about that earlier. Um, the idea that the generation that sees the restoration of temple worship, priesthood, sacrifices, they will see the Lord coming in yeah. power and glory. Mm -hmm. 
Well, good. V very helpful overview, I think, if seeing these four chapters um, allows us with not just, I mean, really, uh, the entirety of Israel's history, because when mm. we're with Abraham, it's before they're a nation. Mm. And like you said, it's, it, the, the clock starts, uh, so to speak, with with Isaac, yeah. right, his son, and then from there all the way till uh, future days even for us. Yeah. Um, so it uh, takes us clear through the scriptures and into the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very helpful.